BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about talk now. About now to talk about. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. Shout now, she's not going to shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. about now, when it's all we'll about. have no fun, no fun, because your trip is back to school No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 390. Wow, nice even number. Is that an even number? I don't know. Just seems like, you know, 390. Let's divide it by two. Yep, 195. It's an even number. Anyway, no fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. Did I say that already? I did, because then I said episode 390. I am Jen Kirkman. I am your host. What is this podcast? Well, I am a comedian. You may have seen my specials on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. And the other one is called Just Keep Living. They are both streaming there now. Enjoy them, if you will. You may also know that I wrote two books. One is called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself, and the other is called I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. The reason I'm mentioning these is not to promote them. I mean, sure, buy the books, please. But to let you know that books and comedy specials are different than podcasts. So when you come here, readjust not expectations, certainly, but readjust your mindset. I think you guys know what podcasts are. I don't know why I'm acting like they haven't been around for almost 20 years. But in other words, this is not a comedy podcast. I'm not trying to be funny necessarily. Now, of course, I will end up being funny because I'm a delight. But it doesn't have to be funny. I've cried on this podcast. I've whined on this podcast. I've been serious on this podcast. I've been angry on this podcast. I've been a human being. It's where I come to be real because there are no restrictions. It's not like going on a talk show and you only have 10 minutes. This is where I come to treat you all like the adults that you fucking are. Because a lot of times in entertainment, we don't get to treat our audiences like adults. You need a punchline every three seconds to have your Netflix special. Okay, okay, okay. My God. I'm not trying to kill you people or give you an ab workout. You don't need to laugh that much. Just relax and listen. 
It's like a friend talking to you where you say nothing, but you don't want to say anything. You just want to do your dishes. Maybe you want to fall asleep and have one consistent voice talking to you instead of a bunch of comedians yucking it up, laughing, three people talking at once. It's too much. Great to listen to other times, but not if you're a podcast sleeper. This is where I go to be a more complete version of me. Unrehearsed. With the sounds of my email coming in. God damn it, I forgot to turn that off. Anyway, I have been doing this podcast for almost eight years now. It used to be called I Seem Fun. That number 390 isn't nothing. That is the amount of episodes that have already happened. 389 have happened. In the can. Aired. Out there. So if you want to go back in time and scroll through the archives, if that's how you want to spend your summer, I'm all for it. Go to jenkirkman.com and click on the word podcast. You could also type in jenkirkman.com slash podcast. And once there, scroll down and you will see the link to access the archives. It is all free. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Just takes you to a place. And you can listen to them all. Thanks for being here. There is also a Patreon version. So this is minute 316 of your listening pleasure. The Patreons are on minute 31. I have been doing extra time, as I always do, on the video version of this podcast, which can only be gotten on Patreon. You get to see me at home in my little no fun studio. And I usually talk directly to camera for a little while before we start rolling and I put the headphones on and put the mic to my mouth and bring you guys in. So if you're interested in that, what you get for $5 a month is four video episodes a month. They come out earlier. So right now, as you're listening to this, the Patreons have had this episode for a few days already. You get early access to the episodes, the video version only. The video version has some bonus stuff on it. There are no ads on the video version. And you get a 20-minute bonus audio episode a month at the $5 level where I talk about something going on in celebrity or pop culture where I get a little more gossipy. There are other levels, 10, 15, blah, blah. And as you go up, you get more bonus audio episodes and even bonus video episodes. And sometimes I throw in some stand-up sets that I have recorded on the road back pre-COVID. Now, again, just adjust expectations. Those audios, uh, those are audios from my phone. They're not videos or comedy specials or anything like that. But the audio is good. You can hear me and you can hear what it's like when I work out stuff or just riff with an audience. So all kinds of great things on Patreon. I do it to pay my bills. I am not on tour this year. This is how you can see me and support me. So please do support. I certainly absolutely need the money and I would love to get to a thousand subscribers by August. I am at 730 right now. So be one. Five bucks a month gets you so much And the way I look at it is, if you decide today to sign up, you will not be the only person signing up at the $5 level. You're part of the energy. So don't think, oh, what's my five bucks going to do? It's going to do because it's not just you. It's going to be more people doing it 
So get on board. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Support the women in comedy you love or just forget the gender. Just support the comedians you love that aren't alleged rapists or sexual assaulters. Those guys, they have thousands of Patreon subscribers and they are very wealthy. So why can't I be wealthy like them? Are they funnier than me? I don't think so. Okay, great. Great way to start a podcast. This week is going to be fun. For me, at least. I don't know. I'm going to talk about aliens. Not just UFOs. Let's be honest. We think there might be aliens, don't we? Isn't that what everyone's saying? Isn't that what kind of like all this reporting is saying? Can we just stop with the UFO means unidentified flying object? Yeah, we know. We know. But come on, don't you think? Those aliens, because I'm starting to think there are. I've done a complete turnaround. I've always wanted there to be. I've always hoped. But I've always had this back pocket reason why I just don't think that there are. And I think that reason might be starting to get shattered. And we'll talk about it on this week's episode. I'm also going to be talking about Bill Gates. Not too much on that nerd, but what a fucking downfall. Guys getting a divorce And his wife's like, yeah, he wouldn't stop hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. And he, you know, they wrote an article about this two years ago, but we all missed it because we were busy checking Twitter every five seconds to make sure that Trump hadn't nuked America. So we're like, ah, Epstein, Gates, they're billionaires. I don't know. I'm sure it was nothing. No, no. They were in deep. Bill's gross, dudes. Bill's gross. And I want to pitch you my movie idea where... Mackenzie Bezos and Melinda Gates end up together. I'll pitch you that movie later. And I want to talk about how in my early stand-up, I used to talk about how much Bill Gates sucked based on nothing. It was a hunch. And how I want to get in touch with 22-year-old Jen and tell her, you were right. And then some quick listener emails. A lot of you have been writing in with reactions to recent episodes I always love to hear it. So here we go. Let's begin this week's No Fun. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Okay, so I don't know if any of you saw the 60 Minutes piece on 60 Minutes. Now, listen. This was not some guy in a field going, I saw the aliens, I'm a farmer. From, and I don't know why I'm doing the Southern voice. But these are top Navy, pilots, blah, blah. These are not crazy people. These are people saying, I didn't want to come forward because I didn't want to look insane. Now, why would you think that you look insane if you were going to come forward and just say, well, it was simply an unidentified flying object, which could mean, you know, a surveillance plane from China that we don't recognize. That doesn't sound insane. Now, that's the thing. 
is these people coming forward for the first time saying, I wasn't coming forward because I didn't want to look crazy. Well, now we're getting into, you ain't just talking about the literal definition of UFO, where it's an unidentified flying object, could be a bird, could be a weather balloon, could be popcorn on the screen. You're you're worried about looking crazy because what you're about to tell us is that you've never seen technology such as you've seen before, and you know in your heart that no human being has made this technology yet. You know that. That's what they're trying to say. So now go with me here on 60 Minutes. If you are my age and older, you know that before there was Fox News, before there was 24-7 cable news, I was a teenager the first time that the 24-hour news thing happened. I watched CNN be birthed, and I was so weirded out. I mean, the news was always the specific time of day. I would get up in the morning, my parents would have the Boston Globe, and they would read the newspaper. And they would read the reporting, here are the facts, thank you for reporting that. And there might be the AM radio on in the kitchen, where there was some local Boston news. Here's the traffic, here's the weather on the ones, and the thing on the twos, and that read some quick headlines, and you move on with your day. You're not checking your phone on Twitter. You're not having the TV on. And then there'd be news again. You know, the five o'clock news, you put that on. A lot of local stuff. Oh my God, a kitten got stuck in a tree. A woman did this. Here's the weather again. We always need to know the weather in New England. Here's the traffic. We'll find that out too. Even though my parents didn't commute to their jobs, my mom was a, uh, didn't have a uh, you know, she was a mom. That was her job. Homemaker, housekeeper. House, she was a housekeeper for me. She was a, uh, we, we called it homemaker back then. My dad uh, worked at the golf course that we lived on. He walked to work in his uh, Carl from Caddyshack outfits. So my point is, that's just what you did. You watched the weather. You watched the, the traffic. And there'd be the evening news, you know, you're Walter Cronkite, you're these guys, they read you the news, you go, thank you, you move on with your life, then you go watch some sitcoms. And there might be the 11 o'clock news. But that's it. I mean, you know, plenty of news. That's why when it became 24-7, I thought, who? why do we need this all the time? There's already like three different breaks during the day that you can watch the news. And we have newspapers and the radio. What is happening? I remember being a little freaked out by it because it made me think as a teenager and I was very anxious. I was always looking for an angle. I was always looking for, am I supposed to be anxious about something? Because I'm reading and I started reading into why do we have 24 hour news? Because I thought is, is really bad stuff happening? And like, we have to look at the news all the time. That, that must be what it means. Like, you know, and, and the Iraq war, the first one was going on. It was the first war that they ever televised. I was watching people in Iraq. I was watching soldiers, American soldiers, shoot things. It was surreal. Now, I don't remember being prescient and thinking, this is going to ruin society. I didn't. But I just thought it was strange. I noticed it at the very least. Does that make sense? Then my mind really noticed, I don't know how long, I mean, I know how long Fox News was on the air, but I don't know how long it served as a kind of I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know how much it was a part of people's lives before 9-11. I know that it was, but I wasn't paying attention to it because I was in New York and I was in my early 20s and I was working a day job and I was out all night doing comedy and I didn't even have cable, I think, in my apartment. I don't even know. I don't even remember. Or maybe we did, but we didn't sit around and watch news. I mean, it even it was like so out of it. 
You know, I was definitely not sitting home watching news. But after 9-11, I remember the, the Fox News was like, now we're starting in with the opinions. And the, the and, and I, I just noticed that. Now, again, I know it was happening way before I noticed it. But, you know, so now we're so used to just any crazy ass shit being on the news. The quote news. Oh, I'm so edgy. That when someone says, hey, on 60 Minutes, a news program, there were a bunch of, you know, pretty credible people saying that they think there might be another world out there. There might be beings that are highly intelligent that are flying around because we can't explain it. And we're tired of saying we can't explain it because we need to tell you we're not idiots who aren't like, so I'll get into the details, but when you're my age and older, so you remember that 60 Minutes was a respectable show and 60 Minutes sort of, it had that Andy Rooney hour. If you guys don't remember him, he was an old man who complained. It was like he, a lot of people say he, a lot of people say this about Larry King too because he used to have this thing called King's Things. But a lot of people say Andy Rooney was like the person that like embodied Twitter before Twitter actually happened. He would just go, I don't understand why people do this. And he'd have his little old man things. But that was the, here is the entertainment opinion part of 60 Minutes. The rest of it is news. We are not interviewing. We're not sensationalizing anything. It's just news. So I take that very seriously because I see so little of actual news left. You know? So people from my age and older go, oh, no, no, I trust 60 minutes. <laughs> you know, we have that ingrained in our head. And so I saw a lot of people on Twitter. Oh, whatever. They just have these people on TV. No, you guys don't understand. It's 60 minutes. That's like the real news. You can tell because it has that ticking clock. So I'm not going to recount the whole 60 minutes episode for you. I'm going to read it, read you an article instead. But basically, one of the... Uh, people in the 60 Minutes interview was this woman who was a pilot and, you know, a Navy, uh, and she was off the coast of San Diego and she was flying with someone else. And they saw this thing in in the restricted airspace that they said was kind of hovering above the water and it was meeting them and mimicking what they were doing. And it was, she said it was terrifying because they weren't, they had no weapon. You know, they, they wouldn't be able to fight this thing if it was going to launch something at them. And I think in those moments, I I really don't think you're sitting around going, Oh, that's aliens. I mean, anything unidentified, you have to assume is some kind of threat or be prepared that it is. And, And I think the first thing they were thinking is we are not properly armed, I guess you could say. Now, at the same time that they're seeing that up close, these pilots, fighter pilots way, way, way above them in a different area, catch this thing on the radar. And that that clip got released a couple years ago, and that was going around the internet. And they were like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I mean, it was just their tone of voice that was telling us they have never seen anything like this. Now, If you look at their video, yeah, it's a fucking surveillance video. It's like if you watched, you know, somebody's video from their ring 
thing, you know, that's attached to their front door and you go, this isn't high quality. That's not a real person delivering their Amazon package because it's all grainy looking. I mean, why doesn't this look like the Godfather? It's like, it's not a fucking movie. It's a fucking surveillance camera. So when these pilots are looking at things that you get a copy of, you don't understand, like they understand all these numbers and science and math about the direction it's moving and how it's doing this. You don't know how to properly read a surveillance tape. You're just looking at the thing dotting around, darting around, and you go, look, could be anything. Well, no shit, you idiot. You think you know how to do a readout like they do? So I'll read a little of this article. I'll give you my take and my questions on aliens. And of course, please do respond. I seem fun at gmail.com. Write me and tell me what what's your journey? I mean, don't make it too fucking long. But what's your journey been with this whole is there life on other planets? Thing? Now listen, let me let me filter out, let me just start here. Yes. Here are basic things we all know. Let's go over it again. Unidentified flying object could be anything. Doesn't mean aliens. Colloquially, we have called spaceships UFOs. That is not the name of a spaceship. It is the name of an unidentified flying object. Now they call them UAPs. And I forget what that stands for. I'm going to look it up as we're talking. Unidentified aerial phenomena. I believe one of the reasons they changed it to that is to not associate so much with UFO, which colloquially became spaceship. Okay, so we know this. We know there's life, quote, on other planets. Little cells, little things, little signs of, you know, an amoeba-type population. We know that things grow on other planets. Yeah, we we know that. Don't come at me with, oh, there is life on other planets. It's just that it's a, you know, it's a piece of dirt that's, we're not talking about that. And I'm also done with the argument, I think it's arrogant, like when people say, well, I don't know if there's aliens, but it certainly is narcissistic or arrogant to think we're the only sentient beings in the galaxy. No, I don't think it is, actually. I think it's fucking incomprehensible. I mean, honest to God, before the internet, as a kid, you know, in the 80s, it was incomprehensible to me that there were other beings on the other side of the planet, that there were other humans. I couldn't picture where Australia was. You know, it's incomprehensible that there are other things in our universe, especially with our tiny brains going, but there's no oxygen up there, but there's no water. Well, maybe these things don't need that. I don't know. It's hard. You just start going, oh, this seems crazy. It's not because I want to be the only uh, species on the planet. It's not because I want to be the only humanoid or, you know, thing that isn't just like a speck of dust and we call that life, but real life, like a thing that builds and travels and whatever. I don't think it's arrogant to think, I think it's, it's uh, the most insulting word I can think of is limited thinking, but, but honestly, it's just incomprehensible. It's like, I don't know how to say, I think there's life on other planets because I don't even know what that would be. So you can say that, you know, like, I, I just can't wrap my head around it, but like, sure, why not? It's a big galaxy. Like, I don't know everything, but people who say that exact quote, they think they sound so smart. It's like, honey, that's cocktail party talk, 1982. Oh my God. Imagine thinking we're the only ones in the galaxy. Imagine thinking that's an original statement. Stop saying that. You sound, you actually sound dumb. I don't know why, but these like little quotes that like everyone says drive me crazy. 
Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, so let's get into this article that I read. I know the New York Post a piece of shit, but it's not an article that was uh, conceived by the New York Post. They just put a bunch of other articles and research together. It was easier for me to read it. So again, we know the New York Post is trash, but they're simply recapping and citing other things. So an ex-Pentagon official says the government doesn't want you to know that UFOs exist. He ran the program that investigated UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Now, he was a big part of this 60 Minutes special. Recalling the revelatory instant when he recognized that UFOs were bona fide, controversial whistleblower Luis Lu Elizondo said it was a holy shit moment. Oh my gosh, it's real. Well, crap, now we have to do something about it. But he has not been able, Elizondo has not been able to get the feds to act on what he describes as a serious national security risk due to a litany of roadblocks, including a cover-up of the existence of UFOs because of religious objections, concerns over tarnishing its own reputation, and fears of inciting public panic. Now, again, in this article, and the way Elizondo is talking, he is using UFO to mean kind of from outer space. With a bombshell government report on UFOs set to be released before the end of June. So this is a weird factoid that I don't know if you guys know. So when Trump did his coronavirus package, the one that he did, which was not sufficient, but but he, you know, his administration passed a coronavirus relief package. Whenever anybody, any president, Democrat, Republican, whatever, whenever anybody passes some big piece of legislation, there's always earmarks, little other things that go in it. Oh, okay. So, you know, pass the coronavirus relief bill, but also put something in there that protects potato farmers. Like it's unrelated, but like you just push your other things through. It's like if, you know, if you're um, a car that's leaving a parking garage and you're the car right behind it, if you want to do it, you can go fast enough and you don't have to pay your parking. You can chase that other car out. It's just like it's we're t- attaching it on to this bigger thing. And I'm not even saying like there's arguments all the time. Earmarks are bad. We shouldn't do it. We we put too much pork in these bills and, you know, whatever. I'm not arguing whether they're good or bad. That's just I'm telling you they happen. So in the Trump coronavirus relief package, there was this bizarre little earmark or thing that he added to it. Now, I don't know how much he himself added to it or someone in the administration, but the Trump administration with the coronavirus relief package that they passed in 2020, there was a little thing saying by June of 2021, the Pentagon must release a bunch of things that they know about UFO or UAP phenomenon. So that's now, that's happening this month because it was (laughs) part of his... So thanks to Trump a little bit, some things will be released. Now it could be more of the same. Like, yeah, we already knew this. People see things, they don't know what it is. But it gets the conversation going that there there really isn't just this dead UFO file back from Roswell and every president goes, oh, who knows what that was? It is 
actively happening because in this 60 minute special that I saw, there's one Navy pilot who said he sees unidentified flying objects in restricted airspace every day for the last few years, every day. Now, what's so interesting to me about that is, okay, you say, he says, you know, everyone says, could it be China or Russia? And he's like, well, yeah, but I mean, we're also not terrible at our jobs. So like, that's why we're there. Like, yeah, we're trying to see if China or Russia is spying on us. And I'm telling you, it doesn't seem like it's China or Russia. That's why it's very scary and also very weird. I mean, they have to look at it from a practical standpoint, you know, from our airspace is not protected. We are open and vulnerable to an attack, whether it's from an alien or something else. But, you know, and so, you know, you could argue the past couple of years, like, well, Trump, you know, is in bed with China and Russia in certain ways, maybe he just lets them spy on us. Okay, but but the technology these people are seeing, it's a little crazy that it's human technology with the way they can just disappear so fast and like, you know. So it, it, it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of questions. Um, and I think what the government is, th- this is the part I don't get. And I, I know I'm like not finishing the article. I'm getting into my opinion already. But this is the part that I just don't relate to. So there's a notion that the government doesn't want us to know. And again, the, the cutesy, folksy reason was, oh, they just don't want to have a mass panic. Or this could really freak people out and take away everything they think about their religion. I don't believe that they're worried about mass panic because we've had mass panic. You know, um, guns. Well, then why don't they want to get rid of fucking machine guns? Guns cause mass panic. 9-11 caused mass panic. The pandemic, co- we've, had mass, we've had mass panics about things that were actually happening. If someone said there's aliens, I mean, what's the mass panic going to do? Like, how would that, why, they, they just care about our feelings? Because I don't think that's true. So the mass panic would be what? What would that look like that they don't want to unleash? Protests? I don't think so. Civil unrest? I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? We already have mass situations every day cops killing black people civil unrest i I don't really understand what this mass panic is that they want to avoid the people in the streets going like what do they think is going to happen what they're really saying is is my opinion is that there's going to be a mass loss of trust in the government to protect us now i say we already crossed that bridge on 9-11 when the government failed to protect us. Now you can go into, I'm not talking about even conspiracy theories. I'm talking about the basic, you know, as someone who was in New York that day, I mean, even the dumbest little things. Like I remember when that tower was on fire, I was thinking, oh, well, any minute now, the nets that go window to window between the two towers will be released and everyone will be able to jump into the nets and then the helicopters will come and the fire station will get their ladders really high and we'll get all the people out. I mean, I literally was like, wait, there's no plan for if people are trapped on the top floors of a building because of, at the very least, a fire? Holy fuck. Like, no no plan. The, uh, you know, failure of imagination that people with box cutters could hijack a plane. Meanwhile, people have been hijacking planes since the 80s. It was like the biggest thing. 
so we had no protection against that. I'm not even, we didn't even have TSA yet, but I'm not talking about the security people. You know, why weren't pilot doors sealed and locked? We didn't, that wasn't a thing before 9-11. We couldn't get into the cockpit. You could get into the cockpit. Okay, and so they fired Richard um, Clark. The Bush administration fired Richard Clark. He was the anti-terrorism expert under Reagan, Bush one and Clinton. And he was sounding the alarm about Osama bin Laden. This guy wants to attack America. Even before the presidential briefing that him and Con- that Bush and Condoleezza ignored that said bin Laden determined to attack in America. Bin Laden had attacked the Trade Center before in the 90s under Clinton. It was just a little bombing, a little, you know, a little nothing. But Clinton was after bin Laden. And people said he was wagging the dog because of Monica Lewinsky. They said he was trying to distract by trying to do strategical airstrikes in Afghanistan against bin Laden. Clinton was on it. He was taking advice from Richard Clark, who was telling him, I am the counterterrorism expert. We got a problem with Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. Okay, the Bush people fired Richard Clark. I mean, I think it was all Cheney. Because they didn't want to hear it. They thought he was partisan, which makes no sense. He'd worked mostly for Republicans. But they're just like, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. They did. They made it all about Saddam Hussein and not Bin Laden. So why am I going on this rant? Because I'm saying, look how much the government didn't already protect us on that day. I am under no illusion that my government is supposed to protect me. I mean, even when we were in the Cold War with Russia, when I was a little kid, It wasn't just, oh, Russia might nuke us. It was mutually assured destruction. We had nukes too. We could nuke back. We could nuke first. I never felt the government was protecting me. I think that is perhaps something for generations older than me. I don't even know if you read this book, Hitler in Los Angeles, which was about how Hitler wanted to take over Hollywood to make propaganda films and how there was a giant Nazi party in America. And when we went to World War II, it was nothing to do with anti-Semitism and trying to get rid of Hitler. We were going to do nothing about Hitler. There were spies that were trying to tell Congress people there is a huge fascist party in America that wants white power. It was huge back then. It was as big as it is today. And there were Hitler operatives in America, all over. And the government eventually ended up protecting us overseas by fighting, you know, they were so worried about communism, they weren't thinking about Hitler. They really weren't taking it seriously. You got to read this book. Anyway, I never thought the government was protecting me. I mean, I know, listen, I don't think that a government's out to get me, but I'm just saying, like, the government's run by humans. People are fallible. They make mistakes. They, they go down the wrong path. They don't follow the trail they're supposed to be following. They are irrational. I mean, I'm, I take it as like part of my anything can happen. You know, I can die by any reason. The part of it is like because the government can't protect me. And by the way, I'm not saying they should. I'm not like, well, the government's my daddy. So, yeah, I'm like, it's sort of like I don't have that weird illusion. 
Like, oh no, that might break, you know? But the thing is, what they're, what they're having to admit is, we don't know what these things are in the airspace. If it is China and Russia, boy, do we look fucking stupid. And are we really behind on whatever technology they have and what are we going to do? However, this is what I don't understand. If indeed it is aliens, who would be upset at the government? Like, I don't understand that. I'm upset at the government for their failure on 9-11. I mean, this was easily preventable. I really believe it was. But an alien attack, or just the very least aliens in our airspace, I'm not like, no, why didn't the government get on that? Why aren't they better at that? Now, you could argue, well, Jen, no, they could have actually taken it more seriously, but there's such a stigma that they really didn't do anything, and maybe we could have been designing this, that, the other. I get it. But we were also working on Star Wars in the 80s, not the movie, but a shield that would kind of go up into space and prevent Russia from being able to nuke us. I mean, there were more kind of like real world things going on, like in every generation, you know? And so I'm just like not going to be mad at the government if they can't protect me from fucking aliens. If aliens are real, do you understand that that means there is a being out there that has figured out, it's basically like time travel. They, you, If they're millions of galaxies away, how the fuck do they get here? And they may not be in the vehicle. I get it. But whatever, they figured out something that is like beyond our ability to understand science. I'm not going to like, government fucked up again, not protecting us from aliens. I'll give them a pass on that one. I, I'm going to say, you know what? We're not there yet as a species. That's not a governmental issue. It's a human issue. I literally don't understand the person that would be like, I'm pretty disappointed in my government. That's what I take away from this aliens are here thing. And I don't believe in the government anymore. And I'm not going to vote. Frankly, I'm not. I'm not. They're all the same. These politicians who haven't figured out how to time travel and, and, you know, the time space continuum. I mean, please, why couldn't they figure that out? I'm telling you, I'm not voting. So I really don't understand why they can't level with us. And I think it's because they truly are still unidentified. There truly is still a chance that it's of this planet. It's our adversaries and we don't want to look stupid. But if it's really true that, that they actually think it might be otherworldly and they think we'd be upset. I mean, who the fuck would be? Would you guys be upset? I mean, I'd be psyched if there was aliens. I don't even care if they come and take the planet over. You, okay, you were born during the time period where the aliens revealed themselves and took us over. You're upset at that? How much better an ending to your life story is that than the one that was could happen, you know? You fall off a ladder and hit your head. You get some long terminal illness. It, it, but it's like an alien is here and they're taking over and they're I don't know what they're doing, putting their hands on our heads and just draining it of all knowledge and they just touch our heart and it stops. I mean, what a way, who are you not to die from an alien? You think your death is going to be more interesting than that? Who's bad at that? I welcome that. I mean, I hope I'm a little older when it happens, but if that's, please, yes, yes. To be terrified by an alien invasion, you know, at least 20% of you is like, this is fucking cool. I can't believe all those movies I saw growing up were real. I can't believe this is happening in my lifetime. My grandmother's dead. She would shit herself if she knew there were aliens. I can't believe I get to see this. Who's mad at that? 
write me an email, iseemfun at gmail.com and tell me anything I've just said. You blaming the government for this? Are you mad about aliens destroying the world in your lifetime? I mean, come on, what a show. Front row seats. Anyway, so this guy, Elizondo, um, so this bombshell report, that's where I got off track. It's going to be released before the end of June. Thank you, Trump. You'll never hear me say that again. Elizondo says uh, he came into the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program in 2008. He headed it from 2010 till 2017. He has revealed the shocking things that he alleges to have learned and the chilling reason why some in the Pentagon don't want information made public. He had access to, as part of his job, he had access to the Pentagon's UFO data, and he interviewed military eyewitnesses who encountered UAP on an almost daily basis. That's what I told you that I saw in the 60-minute special. Meanwhile, Navy pilots have testified about engaging 50-foot tic-tac-shaped vessels only to see them disappear in the blink of an eye. Again, that was in the 60-minute special as well. Other pilots said their fighter jets had a near collision with a strange sphere encasing a cube. Elizondo scrutinized all this evidence, including radar and electro-optical data that showed unknown aircraft zipping 60 miles in five seconds and descending at speeds of 14 miles per second. See, the, this is where I'm like, why would, in China, why would China and Russia hide this? Like, I, I don't really understand why this... Listen, I used to think there can't be aliens because they would have had to have time-traveled. And I just don't think that's possible. And now I'm like, uh, the, all this weird science news was coming out in the last two years. Again, while we were all checking Twitter, making sure Trump didn't nuke America. There were these bizarre scientific discoveries, things I almost read on the podcast, but it was just, it was so beyond my comprehension. It's like, I get the gist of what the article says, but I can't even read it to you because it was just like, I, it's too above my pay grade here. But it... So many articles about new black holes that were found in the universe and that black holes might be wormholes in disguise. That's crazy to read in a mainstream newspaper. And so wormholes are the thing that you would need to kind of do the time space travel. See, I don't know enough about it, but it's like, I don't know. And and there's been all these weird discoveries about the universe that sort of they don't disprove string theory, but they add on to it. It's like they go further than we thought we were going to go in our lifetime. So you know what I mean? I, I'm not thinking it's so crazy that something from a million galaxies away could be here now. I can't explain why. I sound like a fucking idiot when I do it. I sound like I'm high. And I'm sorry I'm talking to you guys about aliens. But at least I will say, I'm just exploring my how my opinion has changed and how I read this fun article. I feel like I'm not talking to you about aliens in the way that I'm an annoying person at a party and I'm cornering you and I'm high and going, dude, you don't understand. I, I really hope it's not coming off that way. I just think it's so exciting that this is in the zeitgeist. So anyway, Elizondo, I mean, they call him controversial, but I mean, it's not like he's done anything bad or wrong. He's He's been, you know... When we talk about, oh, I think we've all kind of said, like, with each new president, don't you anticipate that on the first day of the job, someone puts a bag over their head and says, okay, I'm taking you into a secret room. You must never talk of this. Here's the alien information, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like this Elizondo guy is the one that has all the information. I don't feel like, I mean, it's true. And that uh, what he's saying is, I'm telling you guys the, the stuff that I saw, so that, that no president has 
come forward and, and told you, but I'm telling you, I saw the stuff. So what he's saying is like, yeah, I'm the guy that had access to all the reports and all the data. Blah, blah, blah. So he said, do the math. He's also a former intelligence officer for the U.S. Department of Defense. You'll see that that's very fast. Um, 60 miles in five seconds is 43,200 miles an hour. Despite uh, mind-blowing discoveries, Elizondo was always swimming upstream. He tried to share frightening evidence with closed-minded non-believers who shunned his research, which he has compared to an intelligence failure on the level of 9-11. So that's kind of the new argument that's making talking about aliens seem not so crazy, is that we are talking about like, all right, let's just be honest. If they're real, we don't know what they want with us. And this is an, this is literally like an intelligence matter. You know, I don't mean intelligence smarts. I mean, the intelligence community. This is literally like, you know, I mean, has to be handled the way you would handle like a, a new terrorist group or just some, it's an th- unknown threat. And if we do nothing about it, because we're afraid we're going to look dumb talking about aliens, then yeah, we're going to fuck up. I just, like, truly in my heart, I just don't think there's anything we can do about it. Like, how are we going to fight people that know how to come here from galaxies far, far away? I think I send Marjorie Taylor Greene after them with their fucking wall of machine guns. I mean, come on. I'm going to send Matt Gates to the aliens to creep them out. Are any of you 17? All right. Elizondo allegedly uh, pushed his superiors, which included uh, General James Mattis, to take his findings seriously. He claims very senior officials blocked him from informing Jim Mattis. And so Elizondo resigned from the Pentagon in frustration. But he's never stopped investigating UFOs and publicizing what he's found. Sorry, my camera's making me crazy. Um, Okay, sorry. He's never stopped... Blah, blah, blah. He's no longer alone. Washington, D.C. power players are due to share details about the reality of such UFOs via their much-hyped tell-all report. It's vindication for Elizondo and others in his camp. So, yeah, the COVID bill started a 180-day countdown for UFO disclosures. President Trump's signature on the... uh, COVID-19 relief and government funding bill started a countdown for the Pentagon and spy agencies to say what they know about UFOs. The provision received very little attention in part because it wasn't included in the text of the 5,593 page legislation, but as a committee comment attached to the annual Intelligence Authorization Act, which was rolled into the massive bill. The report must address observed airborne objects that have not been identified and should include a detailed analysis of unidentified phenomena data collected by geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence, measurement and signals intelligence, the committee said. The report must also contain a detailed analysis of data of the FBI, which was derived from investigations of intrusions of unidentified aerial phenomena data over restricted United States airspace. And an assessment of whether this UAP activity may be attributed to one or more foreign adversaries. So. We'll see what comes out in June. I I don't know if they like have to or if 
like who gets in trouble if they are like, no, we're not going to release that. Thanks for putting in the provisions. You know, like, I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, Elizondo's letter of resignation been my sincere honor and pleasure to have served with some of America's finest men and women in both peacetime and war. For over 22 years, I've been blessed to learn from and work with world-class leadership. With that in mind, bureaucratic challenges and inflexible mindsets continue to plague the department at all levels. This is particularly true regarding the topic of anomalous aerospace threats. Despite overwhelming evidence at both the unclassified and classified levels, certain individuals in the department remain staunchly opposed to further research on what could be a tactical threat to our pilots, sailors, and soldiers, and perhaps even an existential threat to our national security. And he's also saying, uh, in many instances, there seems to be a direct correlation the phenomena exhibits with respect to our nuclear and military capabilities. So yeah, these unidentified objects are always flying. They're very attracted to nuclear um, arsenals. And, and so that's when I go, okay, it's not aliens then. But then I go, I don't know. I hate the thing. Where they're us from the future and the past, and they're coming to warn us of nuclear war. It's like, no, nah, I don't think so. I mean, it seems nice. And there's no way they're curious about nuclear energy. I, I assume if you've traveled through time and space, you've also harnessed nuclear fusion. I mean, they didn't split the atom. I don't know. It makes me crazy. I love thinking about it. <sighs> anyway, so he retired or resigned. A video is playing that I didn't ask to play. So we'll see what happens. I mean, so here's my questions about aliens, y'all. Let's say I go to England and I'm in a restaurant and they're like, oh, you're an American? And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm from California. And then there's another American in the restaurant and they're from Idaho. Now, we're from the same country, but different states. We could even live in, you know, they could never have been to Idaho. I mean, they could never have been to California and I could never have been to Idaho but we're still from the same country. And we don't know each other, but we're Americans. So do all these aliens they see, is it all from the same species of alien? Is it like all the same, quote, people? Is it multiple species of aliens? Are they competing with each other to get information on this Earth situation? Are they, you know what I mean? Like, are they all from the same tribe or people or thing or planet or that's the way I look at it is do they know each other? Is the technology they're seeing all different technology from different types of aliens, types of technologies? I mean, I, I would have to think, let's just say there's like a ton of life out there that all these different aliens don't know each other <laughs> and that they are compete, but they know the others exist and they're competing with one another and they are observing us. But like, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. But that's my other question is we tend to think of aliens as this one group. And I think there's, if there's one type, I think there's way more.
here's the other thing. Now let's let's look at it from the angle of patriotism. Why wouldn't you want, if you're the American government, you don't want people to think that China and Russia have their hands on some technology that we don't, because that makes us look weak, right? I mean, we had this space race with the Russians in the 60s, and they are the ones, the KGB, that planted the America Never Landed on the Moon conspiracy theories, because they want the best thing they can do is to get Americans to not believe in their own capabilities, like as to, to not believe in their own c- country's capabilities, to make Americans think that democracy doesn't work. I mean, that's the best way to unravel something from the inside. So why wouldn't the government kind of be like, oh, it's totally aliens? You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, geez, we can't fuck with that. I mean, we can't, again, going back to my original argument, can't fault you for not knowing about science that we we just don't have access to yet. But why do you want me to think it's China or Russia? Now I'm going to be like, my country fucking blows. It can't come up with the same technology. Like, well, what, have we, what have we been doing? So, you know, I don't understand why they would want us to think it's, why they're even leaving it open for us to think it could be our adversaries. The, you know. Anyway, so who knows? I seem fun at gmail.com. Send me anything you want to send me. If you've seen a UFO, Godspeed. I mean, see, I come from a UFO family. This is all we talk about. We talk about UFOs, aliens. There's nothing that my family doesn't believe in. Now, I'm, I've am i become more skeptical in my lifetime. Like, I don't believe in ghosts. I, I believe in something. I get scared of ghosts still. But I'm anyone who tells me they've seen one, I'm like, you thought you saw one. Your, your brain is making... You didn't. Like, you just didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I want to believe. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're lying. I think it's some other crazy shit our brain does. But anyway, so I'm 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 obsessed with this topic. Just purely obsessed. Let me know your thoughts. I seem fun at gmail.com. Now I want everyone to know there is a new design that is in the Jen Kirkman merchandise store. It is called Having a No Fun Summer. And it is a cute little design. You can get it on a tank top. It's, you know, people will be like, what are you talking about? You'll be like, it's a podcast I love. And I am having a fun summer, but it's a no fun summer, which is still fun. Because you got all new episodes of no fun coming this summer. Wherever you're listening, listen to it on your uh, waterproof headphones at the water park. But you can get it on a tote bag or a mug if you still like to drink your hot beverages in the summer. Whatever you want. You can get it as a notebook. Maybe you want to keep a diary of what your no fun summer looked like post-pandemic. I don't know. Not post-pandemic, but post-vaccine. All of my merchandise sales that I get to keep, I donate to food banks across America. And in July, why not? Let's donate to a food bank in my hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. I don't have the name on me right this second. Uh, The Greater Boston Food Bank. So all of July's sales will be donated to the Greater Boston Food Bank. People are still going hungry in this country every day. We are still recovering from 2020. So go shop. So many fun things in that store. 
click jenkirkman.com and click shop, or just hit the link in the bio in the show notes, and it will take you there. And again, anything that you purchase in June, the percentage that I get to keep, I will donate to the Greater Boston Food Bank. I will write a check uh, in July for that. And I post my receipts on my social media at Jen Kirkman on Twitter and at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. J-E-N-K-I-R-K-M-A-N. Don't give me that two N in Jen. It's not Kirkland. It's not Kirkmen, multiple men. One man, Kirkman. Jen, J-E-N. Okay, great. At Jen Kirkman on Twitter, at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. Follow me there. You'll also be getting updates within the next couple months if you follow me on social media about my new podcast coming in August called Anxiety Bites, where I will be releasing two short episodes a week. I interview experts and all kinds of people about how we can handle our anxiety, how we can define our anxiety, how we can look at our anxiety, how we can live with our anxiety. So, I don't know how many of you came to see me on tour in 2018 and 2019, but I was doing this bit in some cities where I would read my old stand-up from, I don't know, 1997, 98, when I started doing stand-up. And for some reason, I mean, I was really against computers. I, you know, again, my whole, I've learned to adapt. I'm Generation X. That's what we do. But my whole career now, is dependent on computers, the internet, technology, streaming, podcasting, join the Patreon. Um, you know, it is, I mean, I can't live without them. But when they first came out, and it, it doesn't mean I love them. But when computers first came out and people were emailing, I thought these people were weirdos. I thought anyone that was super into computers was just strange. You know, I wanted like scientists and people that need to know about stuff. You can have computers, those big things that used to take up an entire room. But but home computers? What, what are you going to sit at home and stare at a screen all day? I was, I was horrified by this. And I thought Bill Gates was evil for introducing the concept of the home computer. I thought he was trying to control the world, change the world, make us all tied to staying home and not interacting with each other. I was so freaked out by email. I was like, this is the end of people talking to each other. That's right. I used to like talking to people. And I used to just go off on Bill Gates. I don't know. The material wasn't funny. I thought I was being edgy. I was like, I'm the Lenny Bruce of the 90s. You know, here's my truth. Try to shut me up. You can't. And I just hated Bill Gates. And so many people would come up to me after my shows. Well, not so many. It's not like I was performing for a ton of people. But, you know, like 20 people, all people my age. There was the other side of Gen X that totally loved technology right off the bat. I was I had to be dragged. People were like, he's actually amazing. He started a foundation with his wife, Melinda, and they give money to starving, blah, 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 blah. And they're billionaires, but they're great, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't trust him. And I am vindicated. Where's 22-year-old Jen? Get her in here. She would be freaked out by the microphone, the camera. I've got a computer in front of me. I've got an iPhone. She would not know what's happening in this room. She'd be very disappointed. But 22-year-old Jen, you were right. Something is weird about him. Bill Gates and his wife are getting divorced. He used to hang out with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, a couple years ago, an article came out that was like, oh, well, no, he just wanted to court Jeffrey Epstein because, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's a billionaire and he can help give money to the Gates Foundation. It's like, you're a billionaire, bitch. You don't need his money. And Melinda was like, I don't really like you hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. He is a convicted sex offender, a convicted pedophile. And Bill kept hanging out with him. And in this Daily Beast article, 
which I won't read, but you can find it. It said that Bill Gates would often be hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein and complaining that his marriage was toxic. But then they gave no examples of how his marriage was toxic. And I just have a feeling that the guy who loved to hang out with the professional pedo, maybe you're the toxic one. Just saying. So Melinda has been slowly leaking the shits for two years. They've been trying to divorce for two years. And she was like, please, can you just do me? Can you just do me a solid as your wife? Can you not hang out with a pedophile? And he was like, I can't do it. I can't do that. So I want Mackenzie Bezos and Melinda Gates. I want them to join forces, join, get their billions going, keep saving women and girls globally. And I want them to give away all their billions. They're going to live on like 100,000 a year. They're going to live in upstate New York. They're going to get married to each other. And they're going to, and we're going to write a movie. This is a movie or, or maybe I don't even care if it happens in real life. I just think it would be a great movie. The two, it's like a Grace and Frankie. And then maybe they could just end up best friends. You pick, they can end up romantic or they can end up best friends. But it's like the two biggest wives of the two biggest billionaires get their husband's fortunes or at least half. And they do something good for the world. And then they like denounce all their money. And I don't know, they make, they make honey in upstate New York and sell it at farmer's markets, something like that. I don't really know what kind of that movie would be interesting at all. (laughs) It's sort of like, it starts off exciting. Wow, these two women divorce their billionaire husbands, tell all their secrets, and then they what? Is it like a Thelma and Louise where they have an adventure? No, I see it more as they just go up upstate and make honey because I'm tired and don't actually feel like writing this movie. Um, But anyway, so there you go. Now, I would love to shout out, shout out my Patreon subscribers really quick, just super quick, by playing the song that we love to play, Big Fun, which, you know, again, I know this show is called No Fun, but we're not saying we're no fun. We're saying we have our own ideas of fun. And to these people, their idea of fun is joining the Patreon. So thank you, Julie Ball. Ow! You're going to have a no fun summer. I just know it, girl. Ron Wolation. Nope. Take take two. Beep. Ron Wolation. Thank you, sir. You're a good man. I don't care what that person at work said about you. I think you're great. Julie McCullough. Woo. Your work is done. Time for some fun, Julie. Thank you. David Shoop. You know what? I think you're going to get this thing done that you're worried about and you're going to excel at it. I think walking through this thing you're afraid of right now is going to change your life this week. Thank you. Jeff Taboo. To you. Daryl Harris. Let's have some fun, Daryl. Thank you for being a Patreon. Arthur Tuckfeld. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I thank you too. Uh. All right. Thank you. That's my shout outs for the week. More to come. More to come. Now let's finish off the show with some listener emails. Got a lot. I've got a lot. Oh, my Lord. I love when you guys write me. You know, so last week I talked about 
comedy. And, and I just want to tell you guys, I had such positive responses to that episode. So thank you. I just want to tell you all. I'm not giving up comedy, but I am not touring this year. I am doing five shows as a residency in Brooklyn, December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th to finally put to rest the material I was doing on tour that Netflix and none of the streaming networks will allow me. Well, they didn't even see the material. It's, it's, they're just like, we already know we don't even want to work with you. So I'm probably going to put that on an album. But that, and then I might just like peace out into the good night for a while. But that is going to be... Uh, I'm doing those shows and I might do some online Zoom shows, which I know we're like, we're done with Zoom. We're vaccinated. I get it. But for five bucks, I'm going to work out new stuff. And like if you're home on a Saturday, even while you're getting ready to go out, you can watch me do it. And uh, it's a great way for me to work out stuff that doesn't involve me having to get a night in L.A. and sell tickets. It's like it's so much fucking work and promotion that I'm just like, if I just put out a tweet, like, hey, what's everyone doing in three days? Get on Zoom and watch me work out new stuff. Then people from all over the world can come that weren't going to see me on tour this year anyway. And I'm only performing in Brooklyn this year, those four shows. So if you don't live in Brooklyn, this is a great way to see me. Um, And, you know, of course, yeah, I might step foot in a comedy club again. I mean, there's some of them are really great and I can only do, you know, they'll let me just do one night. But I'm just saying in general, I had this epiphany this year that like a lot of my love of comedy is dissipating because I need time to get back to who I always was. I started out in comedy being called an alternative comic who told stories and performed in venues that weren't clubs. And then I somehow lost my way. And like, you know, the point is that once you don't have a big fan base anymore. It is hard to like do your own theater. So you kind of have to do clubs because there's a guaranteed financial success doing that. So that's kind of what happened. It's not actually my fault. It's less of my fans started coming to see me. And, you know, your people like Chris D'Elia, Brian Callen, all those MMA fighters, Joe Rogan, they got really big. So as my friend Chris Frangiola already says, you guys did this, not me. I didn't make those guys famous and people like me less famous. I I was just doing my own thing, getting funnier every year. Uh, less people were coming. So I went to the clubs because they give you a guaranteed rate no matter what. So anyway, but my point is that, uh, you know, so I'm going to go places here and there, um, possibly in 2022. But again, I'm not motivated right now to do it because I just don't love it. Anyway, so here's what people are saying. Um, Men were super cool about it. Um, Jen, dear God, your thoughts on the comedy scene really, really resonated with me. Before the pandemic, I was going up, this is a comedian, I was going up two to three times a week for stand-up on some open mics here in Austin for about a year. He says mics. Kids call them mics now. We called them open mics. But I guess the kids today don't have time to say two words. (laughs) Um, The scene kept getting progressively more bro there in Austin, where Joe Rogan moved and all the bros followed him. Um, And it was just a slog by the end of it. While Austin definitely provides space for all types of comics, the tech culture combined with the Rogan influx makes those opportunities even fewer and far between. As a Latinx performer, finding a voice and working up material became difficult because the crowds expected either the lazy brown people do this, white people do this bits, 
Or they wanted this. So I was watching porn the other day stuff. Oh, my God. I know. The pandemic hit. The responsible performers sheltered in and the irresponsible selfish ones took the opportunity to continue doing shows. The comics here are definitely splitting into two camps, it seems, and I'm really interested to see what happens in the coming days. While I'm a little bummed, we might not get to see you on a stand up stage again. Again, not totally true, but like for a lot for at least a year. Yeah, Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with next. Thanks again for all the great content. All the best, John. Um, yes, Jen, that was your best, honest, relatable, and the truth. It is the state of comedy. I've been threatening to write and to join your Patreon for a while. I always liked your takes, but this one hit home. I've always been thinking about doing, quote, stand-up, as he puts, after I gave the funny speech at Harvard, the one that Conan and Jim Downey gave. I was on the lampoon. But I didn't go into comedy because I didn't tell white man jokes. I did make fun of white men from my brown Asian guy perspective, but I couldn't stand the racist humor of the lampoon and the comedy scene. My jokes were all about their racism. Freddie Prinz was already doing Hungarian jokes. So I went into journalism, a field that has its own diversity issues. I did okay, major market local TV, and made it to NPR as a host of All Things Considered. But there are always gatekeepers. I have managed to carve out a career. But last year before COVID, I decided I'd give it a shot. I tried in the 80s, but I didn't like the smell of stale beer, piss, and comedy clubs. So here I am, an older guy. Doomed, right? But I've taken all the classes, read all the books, had my tight five. And then when COVID hit, I did Zoom shows. Now, I feel like you, post-COVID, the clubs aren't for me. There's a better way to do comedy. I continue to write columns for the ethnic media. I host podcasts. I'm training to be a mindfulness coach to help people with my form of race trauma. I also do solo shows at fringes where I can do a joke every minute or so. And I try to reconnect. I try to connect with an interesting story. It was refreshing to hear your take today. So see me on Patreon supporting you. We also talked. Thank you, Emil. We also he also mentioned uh, something about. Uh, the millionaire math I was talking about, like how much money would you guys need to never work again? So, I'll, I mean, I'll read the rest of that next week because we're getting a lot of emails from people what it would take for them to walk away from their job and how many millions would they need to live on for the rest of their life. And our last email... Jen, I ignored all your warnings and listened to today's comedy culture as my first no fun episode. I've been a fan for a while and finally moved to the podcast. Thank God, after eight years, my God, half my fans are never going to make it to the podcast before I end this thing. I swear to God. It's it's crazy. I'm so grateful you finally came on board. I'm really glad to hear you talk about this level of social burnout in your job. I'm a 40-year-old trans woman and within the last two years transitioned from working in entertainment to working in mental health care for very similar reasons you stated. I don't want to get into the whole mess, but I was very happy to hear that you were looking to take, to take care of your needs over the perceived notions of success. I loved you calling out these paths of success as patriarchal structures and that you don't fit in. And I want you to know that this is the kind of thing that makes you more endearing to people. We don't want to go to comedy clubs either because we will likely hear rape jokes or sexist jokes or racist jokes. So knowing that we can go see someone like you in a form you are comfortable and makes us comfortable too. Thank you for all the joy you've given me. I'm excited for whatever comes next for you, JD. Thank you, JD. Now I will say, Like, I always have to, like, preface and, like, I'm not a total, like, victim of the comedy clubs. Like, I was a successful enough comic that I got to call the shots about who my opening acts were. And I didn't allow straight white men to open up for me. And that's not to ban them. Um, If I knew them personally, okay. It happens sometimes. But I was trying to give people opportunities that usually don't get opportunities. And I wanted my audience 
who I know isn't, um, you know, it's made up of all different kinds of people. I mean, I do have a huge straight man, white contingent. I don't know how that happened, but, um, but, uh, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I, 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 you would never go to a Jen Kirkman show and see that kind of trash go up before me. Um, maybe some years when I didn't have control over who was seeing me, but I, I think none of you guys were even old enough to go to clubs yet. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's definitely not like clubs will like, listen, I made money for clubs. I did well in clubs and clubs, um, did what I said. Cause they had a good business partner in me. I just feel like I honestly just don't like the model of the the thing that that I didn't really articulate last week is that clubs are too big and they have to give away free tickets to fill the rooms and clubs don't make their money on ticket sales. They make their money on drinks and food. So you're already working against the art form when you have to promote your drinks and food. And they have a rule where if someone drunkenly disrupts the show, three strikes and they're out. So they're allowed to, each person, it's not like, so I have a room of 200 people and every one of them is allowed to interrupt me three times drunkenly before they're kicked out. There's zero protection for the art form. And um, I will make such a big stink when someone yells out the first time that honestly, like I pressure the the bouncers at comedy clubs into breaking their three strike rule and going, you know, they're out on the first strike. Like you just don't do that. You know, wouldn't happen in a Broadway theater. Why should stand up be any different? Um, so I just don't like that. I don't like having to perform for people that got free tickets because they have a certain entitlement. And uh, it's weird. You pay money and you tend to respect the performers more than if you got it free. And then you're drunk on top of that. And uh, the club needs you there drinking in order to make money. So it's sort of like that model just doesn't work for me. And I don't think, not that I can't handle it, not that I'm not a great comic who can deal with hecklers. I just don't want to. That's not what I got into this for. And I think that is, is very, um, they don't think as more people that aren't straight white men get in, uh, well, we've all been getting into comedy the whole time, but now that they're letting us, you know, it's like not all of us enjoy that environment. And there used to be a notion that unless you can handle a crowd of people that don't know you and are drunk, you're not a real comic. Then I'm not a real comic because I don't enjoy that. And again, I was just saying that whole thing is sort of like, like the, uh, no woman made up that rule. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Anyway, so those are the emails about the comedy episode and just some other quickie quickers. Jen, I love your Netflix specials and I caught your podcast today. You told a story about how your breast specialist is annoying and asks you inane questions. I had to laugh. I'm a doctor and I think I ask the same kinds of questions, but I have seen Mrs. Maisel and I would have known exactly what you were talking about the first time. Anyway, I'm cheering you on as you forge your own unique path in comedy. Best wishes, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Um, what kind of doctor are you? Can you uh, give me advice? I'm totally kidding. See? See? Is that annoying? Jen, I, I'd like to let you know. So I asked people, what, what do you do when you listen to my podcast? Someone said, I listen while I give massages. A certain skill set is required to hide the skin tone earbud, and I'm a pro. While clients hear the spa music I've listened to for hours upon hours, I enjoy stifling my laugh snorts because of your funny way with words. Thank you, Mandy. Oh my God, I love this. Someone is giving someone a massage while they're listening to the podcast. (laughs) Mandy, I need you to massage me because then I know that you can just listen to my podcast and I'll answer all your... You don't have to talk to me during the massage. This is genius. Genius. 
Dear Jen, I listen to your podcast and the Patreon bonuses as a treat when I have alone time. That could be organizing my many journals that I buy but don't use because they're too pretty to ruin by writing in them, but usually during walks. Cannot wait for your Anxiety Bites podcast. I hope it is promoted like I've seen for others. Not sure what it's called when they do that, but other podcasts send out notes introducing new podcast advertisements. Oh, yeah, of course. I wouldn't have signed a con... Julie, come on. I wouldn't have signed a contract with... um, a podcast network if part of it wasn't that they have to promote me on their other shows. I mean, that's the, that was, yeah, of course. Y'all, don't you worry. I got it. I got it taken care of. Um, This is my favorite email from Debbie. I think this may interest you if you don't already know of it. I just learned of this term the other day, revenge, bedtime procrastination. I can't remember which podcast I heard it on, but I relate. Okay. She heard it on my podcast. I did an episode um, a few months ago about this phenomenon known as revenge bedtime procrastination. And I did a whole episode about it. So it was my podcast. You heard it on. And then you wrote me to tell me about it. I love it. You guys, are you even fucking listening? Is anyone listening to what I'm saying? I don't fucking know. Oh my God. Thanks for being subscribers. Again, the conversation continues over on Patreon. The bonus episode for the $5 level and up this month, audio bonus, 20 minutes. I am talking about how Ellen canceled her own show and all of the gossip that we've always known about Ellen over the years. I am giving my take on my Patreon. So join up patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman or go to the link in the show notes. Thank you for subscribing. Until next week, have fun. 